Hi, this is Randy Randall of No Age and host of the podcast Hyphen It with Randy Randall. I want to welcome our newest sponsor of the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Hyphenate listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash hyphenate. Again, that's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash H-Y-P-H-E-N-A-T-E. Go get your music streaming everywhere now. happening welcome to hyphenate with me randy randall today is a very special day today is thursday february 29th a leap year this is a once in a four year occurrence and it is happening today very excited for this and uh <laughs> well, the, the real reason i'm really excited about it is uh today um i get to present my interview with uh, mr hasham barucha who was a member of black dice and uh, went on to do a solo band soft circle is now a, a member of the band kill alters he also has a, an incredible uh graphic design uh or I, sh- I should say you know kind of collage and illustration um visual practice as well that's really huge as well as being one of the first breakout star- superstars of uh, Instagram. We will get into that. There will, there, will, there will be a part of that story. But um, yeah, how's everybody doing? Extra day, huh? What's everyone doing with their extra extra day of this year? I can't remember what I did the last leap year. If something tells me it must have been around uh, pandemic time. Well, I guess this would have been uh, 2020. February of 2020 was a very uh, uh, innocent time, I guess, maybe, or uh, at least a uh, <laughs> a time when having a global lockdown didn't seem quite as real as it definitely feels now after having survived that or, and made it through there. Um, not to make light of that situation, but wow. I mean, thinking back on February 29th, our last leap year of 2020, uh, what a difference four years can make, huh? Uh, this year is good. I am a, I'm talking from the past, but I'm but at this point, I will have returned from my New Zealand trip. I hope it was a good trip. I think it was. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And also reminiscing about it now that I am back here. Uh, I sure, I'm sure next Monday, um, well, maybe not even by that one. Maybe in some, some future episodes, I will talk about it <laughs> with some kind of certainty of, of having lived through it and not coming to you from the past. But um, yeah, I'm really excited for all of the, the good, fun stuff going on. I feel like this was an exciting, uh, experiment of having a theme month. It was our first theme month. I definitely threw the dart at the calendar and got it wrong with five Thursdays, but you know, by hook or by crook, it just meant I got to, uh, talk to more interesting people who were involved in the Providence, Rhode Island scene. As you will hear, Hasham has a lot of great stories coming up. Um, but yeah, let me know However, everybody's doing, write us at uh, hyphenatehalftime at gmail.com or find me on the Instagram at Randy S. Randall. And uh, yeah, let me know what you're thinking of it. And uh, I'm going to throw it to uh, Mr. Hasham. Let's do it. Hasham Barucha, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the mic. Did I say that correctly? Uh. 
I feel like I've known you, you so did. long. Okay. <laughs> I, know, yeah, totally. I, I suddenly got stage fright right as I was about to say it. Oh, like, yeah. I know how Sean works, but I'm like, that's Barucha. I know that. I know. I've yeah, said yeah, this. Yeah. Like, oh, God. I'm going to fuck it up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it's like uh, wild to have known you and just like how many different friends like that we've grown up like and grown older. Oh, my God. Like uh, playing music and uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a funny thing um yeah i can't really yeah. place where we first would have met it would have been somewhere maybe no well i can re- i probably remember more than you do because this one this would stand out in my mind it was Altamore's parties at ucla i remember black oh, dice was playing and you had yeah. very cool shoes i think like you had painted or printed like horses on your vans like slip-ons oh, they yeah, were very stylish. those are the dog and pony shoes the do- oh, those are okay. the dog and pony shoes that's, yeah. a, that's an isaac ramos and joint in, yeah brendan fowler <laughs> yeah brendan fowler and isaac ramos joint the a-life uh the slip-ons those are oh those God. are the jam oh my god that's yeah, so funny that, yeah, 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 so and, yeah so what was that 2003 2002 post 9 2002 yeah yeah definitely post 9 11 it could have been two, three, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, but that's wild. But that was. But I just remember even... like playing with wives. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. I yeah. was just gonna say that wasn't even through music like friends. Iconic. That was through Elisa, my friend who went to to Rhode Island School of Design uh, as an editor. I remember I went to the yeah, festival yeah. with her, and then she saw you walking around uh-huh. somewhere and said hi. And so it wasn't even. Then years later, we would go on, right, right. you know, to perform music together together and right, you know. But it was a funny one. Yeah. I remember that early those that early time, just being like, "Wow, that weekend was insane." The All Tomorrow's parties. That was like the Sonic Youth curated one, I think. That was, yeah, that was like the the moment I thought I had made it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a, at least in terms of like experimental, like you know, or like you know, like weirdo, like post rock noise sort of band, like you know, getting asked to play like this festival on the same we we just i feel like we lucked out we got to play the same day and stages you know like apex twin like stereo lab like sonic youth like on on the the boredoms like on the same stage it was like mind-blowing to to us and then getting like the that's like eating actually good like catered food backstage you know it's like, this <laughs> yes. is really good food <laughs> we <laughs> have a quinoa, you know? just, <laughs> yeah just keep doing this for the next like riding a years. buggy <laughs> Wait, yeah yeah totally and that will disappear and then come back sometimes and then disappear again yeah no it's funny but that was but i mean getting to i remember just so many like good memories of watching um like band side stage. I think I was watching. Like I went to like watch a uh, Stereo Labs, uh, St- Stereo Lab, uh, side stage, and you know Flea was like next to me, and I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, <laughs> and then like you know just like just do like funny things like that. Like yeah, like like you know I was already friends with Mira, um, uh, Bilotti from um, um, what, yeah. uh, uh, Quixotic, Quixotic back then. Yeah. Then yeah, white magic. And, like after you know we were like you know yeah. And then after that show, I remember like, you know, walking down the stairs with her, you know, behind the stage and Eddie Vedder is like, great set to her. And I was like, <laughs> holy crap, that was Eddie you know, just like as a kid, you know, like, or still like a younger adult, you're like, and just are like seeing Richard James with the, with his his girlfriend, you know, walking around in car, like cargo, you know, like uh, camo shorts, like that's Richard James. 
holy crap you know just like all of these like stars you know to to you and um yeah like and yeah it was cool to be like i feel like we were kind of like discovered by sonic youth um maybe 2001 just before 9 11 because we had just played this we we got asked to play the show for this uh painter uh, richard phillips um or it was it was uh his opening he asked us to play his opening i can't remember how i connected with him and but anyways like it was this it was it was interesting because it was uh these giant paintings and the we 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 set up all our gear in front of this like uh um this george bush painting that was like painted pink in the background and then we did this like pretty apocalyptic heavy super loud like a you know like hour hour long set or something and um i think kim gordon and um thurston or like came in and were you know they were like that was like white house um <laughs> and we were like whoa like just the reference of like like such a legendary like noise act was was amazing and they were like you could hear it down the block it was so loud and so <laughs> then you know then they started asking us to do stuff and it just felt incredible you know because it was like these obviously a band like artists that we looked up to um so yeah yeah there were some good moments back then that's wild um but uh let's start at the beginning where uh yeah. where did you come from and how did how did music first enter your life or where do you come from and how did how did music first enter your life yeah so i was born in japan in niigata um which is uh northwest on the main island and uh but i you know i was born there i think in japan it's kind of traditional for uh like uh mothers to take have their kids like um in the town that they kind of grew up in um and you you know like a that's sort of like a tradition i've sort of noticed that and you have like a little maternity leave but then we like you know moved directly to or right to tokyo after that um and uh my mother is japanese and my father is indian burmese um and had kind of like gone to japan to go to uh college and met my mom there and I uh, had my brother first and then me. Um, I have an older brother, Hashim, who lives in uh, L.A. And um, but uh, yeah, like so, yeah, born born in Japan, moved to Tokyo. Then we had the, you know, or the family had the sort of American dream thing going or go to the West and succeed type of thing. So first moved to uh, Canada Um to toronto and lived there for four years um and then my dad got a job i think i don't know if it was the same company or something um we moved we were able to move to america to california to la for a year and a half and then we moved down to san diego after that and um yeah so so we were th- we were in san diego for all my elementary school years and then my father passed uh, cancer when he was 43. And oh, so, sorry, uh, that's all right. And um, I was 10. So, you know, I think eventually my mom was like, you know, we need to move to Japan so I can work um, better. And so, yeah, we did that. And I was sort of like going back and forth um, just in the summers to San Diego um, to like, you know, see my friends there and uh, skateboard and stuff. And uh, yeah, so, so it was sort of half in Japan and half in, or like mostly in Japan and then some in San Diego. 
but uh yeah it was interesting to sort of grow up like um sort of going back and forth and uh, like you know losing my dad as a kid definitely sort of made me grow up quickly but um but yeah i mean i was always into music like it kind of started maybe even i'm trying to think maybe it was like through skateboarding or i mean it like you know i was like a you know metalhead kid like in in elementary school um i mean i guess like post sort of getting into you know i guess like michael jackson and like uh uh what other i'm trying to think of like the cassettes i like own like uh, i remember getting like a in excess kick um maybe at the same time as i got like iron maidens somewhere in time or something like that um so it was like a funny sort of like crossover and then you know then i went sort of more heavy into the metal stuff um as i tried started learning bass like in junior high and then I started having, you know, bands and stuff in junior high. Um, yeah, it would be like the only place that I feel like I could like, like feel sort of like a, like comfortable and like I have a spotlight. I wasn't good at sports or anything like that. Um, I mean, I did like swim and um, martial arts and stuff, but I still felt like I wasn't, you know, I definitely wasn't like cool like the jock kids or whatever at school kind of like typical even in you know even in asia same stuff you know um but uh but yeah like um yeah so I, like always kind of played i played bass first so that was like my main instrument kind of basically because of cliff burton um and uh my brother played bass too so that also was an influence um and yeah so i, I just like would play bass and sing in, in bands and you know it was like the punk thing it was kind of like more that i feel like when i really started playing music or got good enough to play it was already like i was playing in like pop like uh like kind of alternative bands like uh <laughs> or how you would call it back then you know yeah um like put like in, indie indie punk you know sort of like mixing all that stuff together um yeah that's incredible. Did it feel, I mean, obviously, you know, bouncing from, from Japan to San Diego, like, do, did you feel at home anywhere or was it sort of one of those things of sort of like, you know, just floating through the world or you, were you sort of, was there expectations, you know, like I would imagine in a, in a Japanese cultural, you know, academic way, did your mom have that pressure on you or mm -hmm. was it a different sort of situation that you felt a little bit more free and kind of just loose in the world? That's a really good question because I, it was something that was a big topic for me growing up. Um, I'm half Japanese and, you know, half Indian Burmese and in Japan, you know, like it's a, it's a monoculture mainly. So back then at least there were a lot of less half or mixed people. Um, so, you know, even if my Japanese was like, uh, you know, perfect, I look different. So, you know, you're kind of treated differently and it's subtle, you know, it's kind of one of these like, not even like aggressions, but like not even a microaggression, but just treated differently, you know? Um, and I sort of always wondered why, you know, I was like, why, why do I, I can't, why can't I fit in? And then, you know, so then I, I feel like I, like when I first moved back, I, I really had a hard time understanding, you know, like, I, I mean, kids don't grow up. I mean, people don't grow up unless something really severe happens in their life. Right. So I can't put it on those kids to like, know what I had been through, you know? Um, in terms of my dad dying and sort of like then questioning life so so heavily you know at a pretty young age um um and uh but but it was it was pretty hard in terms of like 
you know, like in, in America, like individuality is a, a big thing. You learn to speak up about your opinions. Like it's, it's very embedded. Like it's something that people don't even think about here, you know, but like, um, but when you go to a country where that's not the case, you really stand out, you know? Mm. Um, so I definitely dealt with that. Um, and was like, Oh, nobody wants to talk about anything, but then, you know, like kids just maybe, especially boys, you know, uh, like at that age or like they just aren't growing up yet. You know, they're just still running after each other playing tag, you know? And you're like, I was just like, what the, what, what's going on here? Like, yep. Like y'all are babies. Like what's, you know, <laughs> I was just tripping on that. I remember. Um, but then, you know, like, uh, but music helped me like sort of like make friends. Cause you know, my, you know, there were like the kids that were like, Oh, you like metal? Like, we like Guns N' Roses. I was like, I like Metallica, you know, or like I like Anthrax or whatever, you know, like you should yeah. get into the heavier stuff. And then, um, it's funny now. Cause now like, you know, Metallica is like pop, but like, um, but, uh, back then it was still, you know, this, this thing like the, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's, that stuff was hard, but then I, you know, it's funny, like I did it so many, so much back and forth, like, um, eventually I realized I had like really become pretty Japanese, you know, um, in my personality. And so when I moved back, um, to the States, um, for college, um, I was really shocked, um, at how Japanese I was. Um, it was like a, a real, a real cultural, like I had to readapt to Western, you know, being more Western. I imagine being in San Diego too, though. I mean, you must have passed for for Mexican pretty easily as well. I mean, yeah, I would say uh, just totally. growing up in Southern California, if I were to meet you, I would I would assume there was some kind of you oh, know, totally. Latinx uh, heritage, you know. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. That was sort of yeah, like yeah. If people like the the kids wanted to be mean to me, they'd call me Beaner, you know. <laughs> um, but like, uh, you know, and then I get to like, laugh. I just it's so it's, this one. It's so no, misguided and so like it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, no, I mean, this, like, there's I so many like kids, kids. Yeah, like yeah. kids, guy. Like I, I knew what it meant, but I was like, dude, I'm not Mexican. And then I was <laughs> yeah. like, and then there's like one, one like uh white kid that would kind of like try to bully me and he called me commie and i was like japan's not communist but i don't even know what you're like you know much later i was like yeah yeah and then like uh just like imagining later you know like oh his parents probably were like look at those you know commies or whatever and i was like whoa and then later you then you oh no sorry i was just thinking more like at mexican restaurants that you know people would just you know speak spanish to you oh yeah that'd be more you know not so much oh, that would, yeah, that was, just, yeah, yeah, that right. happened. Yeah, yeah, no, it, that, but it's funny because, like, um, I mean, because I'm like, that's the funny thing about mixed race people. Like, if you have some brown in there, like, um, you do kind of pass as 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 anybody brown. Um, like, uh, like I have like a lighter complexion. Like, um, I guess so. Like, uh, when I would, I remember going to Paris and people were like, "You're Tunisian, right?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm not oh. Tunisian." But it kind of like made it easier, like, um, cause they're like, oh, like we, we know you're a type or like, you know, you're Arab or, you know, whatever it is. Like, um, I could kind of like be like, oh, sure. You know, sort of citizen I could of kind the of world in, in that in, way. In every culture you sort yeah, of fit yeah. in, that, in that sort of position. Yeah. yeah. Visually. Yeah. So that, that can be like, like kind of like a weird safety zone, you know, like, um, it's like, a, it's funny. It's, you know, it's, it could be obviously go both ways, but like yeah it's a it's a it's a funny thing and you know everybody who's like has a, like deals with any kind of 
race issues you just sort of like you 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 have to accept it and you have to just be like okay how am i going to use this to my advantage or how am i going to just like avoid conflict by like being like oh yeah whatever you know um yeah so yeah it's a weird thing yeah sorry to, sorry to spend yeah. so much time on it i just was, was curious no, no. you know i think just in the in regard yeah, of yeah like, no i appreciate uh, that yeah and, and and also you know just and then moving through the world you know i think a lot of those things those early sort of milestones do set sort of the pace and tone for what we would go on to do in our lives or just being comfortable in, in situations, you know what I mean? Or being familiar with having to, to ride lines between, between genres or between, you know, um, social situations or just that understanding. I think that's one thing I've been, I've learned through doing this, um, podcast just for these few, few short right. months I've been doing it. It feels like there's usually yeah, yeah. something in, in how we grow up that sort of allows for that sort of comfortability between worlds where it doesn't have to just be, yeah. we're just understanding that life isn't all one thing or all the other thing or not having sort of that faith of like oh, totally. well, one direction. Well, you know, one box is all I need. It's usually like, mm, I think there's about mm. 10 or 15 boxes <laughs> that I could kind of check mm. off and feel comfortable. There's sort of whether it's through work or life or just any kind of creative endeavors the hyphenate sort of idea absolutely fits there absolutely every yeah I, I think about this all the time just like because everybody has like a such a specific little life like filter you know like are all your experiences like lead you to x y and z in terms of like your your moral compass and you know just how you see the world and then you realize that like everybody is little that that compass is is different for everybody you know and so i think that was the thing that i really appreciated about like how i grew up was that i i, I learned that cultural differences were like real you know and that and people that like people weren't actually being mean or anything they just didn't know what the hell where the hell you were coming from and so a lot of a lot of times I, I find myself if i'm like oh that person's being weird and i'll be like oh they just like are you know they're just weird because they don't know what i'm talking about or can't relate to it or you know um and i could sort of be more accepting and i think like people who are sort of out like kind of put on the outside in some way like they they see that they they can sort of like they know that you know like that the cultural differences and and you know sort of your upbringing and how you what you were taught by the world around you sort of like, you know, sculpt your mind. And, and then you need to, if, if you're somebody that can sort of inform them that the world is not just that way, then, then, you know, you kind of have to kind of have to help them understand that. Yeah. I think I can relate to that a little bit, just being, you know, very white from America and traveling, getting to travel mm. as much as we have. It's, you know, it's, there's, yeah. that, there's definitely that feeling of like, Oh, I don't understand shit. You know, I kind of expect the world to kind of uh, meet me at my doorstep, you know, versus me having to, yeah, yeah. to go out of any kind of comfort zone, even just a little bit is this huge, like, wow, I just, I just right. ordered coffee in French. Whoa, look how worldly <laughs> I am. You know, and it just feels like, oh, this is nothing. This is, this is so like, so paltry compared to what the majority of the world has to do in order to fit in any kind of American sort of social um, constructs. You know, but, but yeah. being, being an ugly yeah. American, as much as I hate or would never intend it to be that way, right. I think just my uh, my uh, naivete or lack of understanding of the world and wandering around with with you know look, trying to look for big sodas. You know, can, can I get a large uh, Coke <laughs> uh, anywhere in the world? Right, it's just right, like right. your mere existence is insulting to so much of the, uh, of, the, of the world's culture. 
<laughs> you know, but that was for me to no, learn, you just... know, just to understand that like, oh, well, I never had to. And most people, I think in America, you know, never really have to come to terms with any of that sort of thing. Like our culture is right. seen as, uh, you know, the quote unquote norm. Like, oh, you're, you're normal mm. like me. You know, like, well, what is that? That's, mm. There's so many lies and so many fallacies on with statements like that. But yeah, right. there we there I mean, we are. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, the like all the sort of stuff that's coming up now just in the world. It's like a lot of it's like, you know, everybody, yeah, p- people come from different, all these different places. And but we're all like want the same thing. We don't want like, you know, to be like caught in the middle of some crazy conflict. It's just like, dude, like we just want to live in pieces, leave us alone, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like a, it's a, like a, and we're like, we're, yes, we are very different. Like, you know, like, a, you know, I'm just like talking like third person, like a, as a, sure. you know, sort of generalized, but like, um, but yeah, it's like, like one of these things where yes, your, your little world, like I call it in America, like, um, like compartment, like a, a capsule culture. Cause it's like, um, you know, people like go from like a lot of America, you're, you know, you're in your car and you go to your work spot and then you go to get your coffee from the spot in your car. And then, you know, it's all just like safe. You're safe in this capsule. And then you go home and you're in that capsule and then that's all that happens. And you don't, you know, and that, you know, that could be seen both as a, as a privilege, like to, or the, to get to, I guess, like see the world, like you have been, that could be, sort of like thought of as a privilege or it could be, you know, I mean, in, in some cases it is. And then some cases it's not, it's just like, you know, I, it, I feel like I had to, I had to just go along with what my family was doing, you know, as a kid. And so, um, it was just like how I had to grow up and how assimilation is like a, you know, a, like a safety mechanism, you know? Um, and so, you know, um, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's all, it's all interesting. Like, um, it's a, it, it definitely all sort of influenced like how I sort of position myself, like, um, or how, I guess how I was born is just how I, I, like I am positioned because I couldn't really fit in anywhere because I wasn't fully Japanese. And then I wasn't fully like, you know, like my, my father was a Muslim, but you know, like I didn't grow up with that, like as like a, something, you know, like that I needed to do like religiously. And so, you know, I'm not accepted by that side. I'm not like, I don't look super, I don't look as dark skinned. So like people are like, well, you know, you're mixed. So like whatever you're mixed, you know, and like we have, like now there's a term called third world, um, or third culture children or third culture people. But like, that is a lot of like that. That's what I guess I would identify as is where you're sort of like in between all these different cultures. And then you become like a, you know, kind of like an outsider, um, in, in all. So then, yeah, it's a weird place to be. Cause then you're like, crap, like who do I relate to? But luckily, you know, people talk about it now. And, and I have like, a, you know, I've had like a lot of good conversations recently with uh, sort of newer friends where you're, uh, you know, talking about like what we've all, you know, whether it's like an Asian person who's like grown up, grown up in America and is not sort of seen as, you know, whatever, wherever they came from, they're not seen as Korean or they're not seen as Chinese or, um, and so, you know, there's all this, like these these weird microaggressions that you have to deal with all the time. And, you know, it sort of like comes from all sides and you're just like, 
can't you just like treat me like a good person? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm not doing anything, you know, weird. I'm just being myself, you know, it sounds exhausting. Um, it's yeah, those, so little, like, those little things yeah. just take it, take their toll. Oh yeah. Them. It really, yeah. It's a real, it really builds up. It's like really, it's really annoying, but like, uh, but you know what, whatever, you know, like, uh, again, like, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I feel blessed to have like had the, had all the experiences that I've had, you know, because I've, because I was mixed race and got to sort of like live around, um, you know, in different cultures and, um, and, uh, you know, have to sort of assimilate and made me sort of appreciate, you know, that, that I was sort of caught, caught in the middle to a certain degree, um, between all these cultures. But then I have like a, a rich sort of background that I could try to sort of like, you know, learn about, um, the things that I didn't get to learn about my, you know, my father's side of the, you know, family, I try to learn now. And, you know, I, I, you know, there's just there. It, and, you know, as an artist, like, I think you just like try to tap into, it's a, it's interesting to sort of like go, go deeper into yourself as you get older, you have like a little history in life now, and then mm-hmm. you can sort of see what you've done and then touch on touch on what you've done before and then oh wait i want to do something different or like something related to that but is you know more in this direction and you know it's a in that way i think it's like a it's a interesting and exciting place to be like when you sort of like have a certain like a certain amount of work that you've put out into the world and you're like okay like what am i going to do next you know Um, especially when it becomes yeah and like how we're you know we have to make a living from it so if we're at this level um, of trying, you know, or we've chosen these lives to, you know, like sort of stay creative and then you get older and you're like, Oh, I don't really want to, you know, always have to be away from my family or, you know, like, yeah. So it's like a, I don't know. There's, there's so many different like elements. I think that people like um, who aren't like, uh, you know, don't make a living from like uh, just their creative work. Um, you know it's a there's a lot of like little elements um and we all figure out different ways right like uh you know yeah um yeah it's like sur- like survival yeah well i wanted to kind of get into that so then from from you know kind of bouncing back and forth with san diego japan and then and music you know yeah. bass and punk metal sort of taking hold where how where does college fall in you go to mm-hmm. rhode, rhode island school of design at, in the late 90s how does that come about yeah. and what was that experience like yeah. just being in Providence? Yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, uh, you know, I thought I was going to stay in Japan originally um, when I was in high school and I was studying to go to a Japanese art school, but I found that it was going to be really rigid. Like um, basically like in Japan, you have to do these um, really specific tests like drawing tests. Um, and if you're going to, I thought maybe I would go into graphic design and try other stuff so, you know, I was learning these, like, um, there's basically like two dimensional design, but by hand, um, because you have to do all this stuff like drawn. And so you had to like learn how to draw realistic pencil drawings and stuff. And I went to like a after school thing to try to learn that. And I started really late. Like most people start like in, in junior high and you get really good at it, obviously. Like you, it's just like muscle memory kind of, um, and so I just started late cause it was like, you know, halfway through high school already. And, um, I was, I, 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 then I also saw that Japanese art schools are really rigid in terms of you being able to, or students being able to take classes in different departments. 
because I was like, I don't want, I want to try different stuff. I don't want to just do one, one thing. I don't want to just do graphic design. And they're like, yeah, that's not, that's not how it works at, in Japanese art school. So I had, I had a, a cool uh, English teacher. This guy, Will, I forget Will's last name, but um, he was like a younger teacher. And um, like uh, we bonded over music and he like, I even went to like a fishbone show with him once, like um, in, in like, <laughs> like ninth grade or something. Um, but while he was there, like, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, I was like, what, like, I, I, I like lived in California when I was young, like what art schools are in, are cool or good in on the on the east coast it seems interesting and so he told me about parsons and RISD and some other schools and so um i was lucky enough to get to go and check out you know the colleges like uh on a little summer trip and like i went to i remember going to parsons and then it was just like all the cool kids you know looking you up and down with their dyed purple hair or whatever and i was like nah and then, um, and then I went to, I remember the bus ride to RISD. It was just beautiful. It's New England. It's just so, so beautiful. Like in the, you know, I guess like a, you know, late summer, maybe it was. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just like, I want to go here. So I, luckily I got in. Um, and so that's sort of like how I went to RISD and, uh, yeah, it was a really good time. I started in 94. Um, and it was just like, I mean, it was like, it was like a. Did you ever see that movie, Real Genius? Oh yeah, it's like with a, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. It kind of felt like that, like when I arrived, because it was just, it, or like you know, like the opening scene and like when like Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts. It was like all the weirdos, <laughs> you know. And I was like, hell yes, yes. You know, this is amazing. Like, uh, you know, walking. I remember walking through the dorms and people had like art installations already going and like weird video cameras setups. And I was just like, this rules, you know. Um, so, and then like, uh, you know, it happened that just that. I remember like, uh, you know, wearing like a boredom shirt, like to like this one cafe that did shows, um, and, um, or you could throw shows there. And like, it was probably, it was, I think it was Matt Brinkman, but like, but, uh, but, or Ryan Chippendale, um, they gave me, they're like, if you like boredoms, check this out. And the flyer said like, you know, like marching band, I think. And then it said like me come up to, um, you know, Brown's like, like whatever the name of the building entrance like at midnight and uh you know like something will happen so i'm like oh no way what's this like um so i go there um at midnight and i just hear this clanging eventually and there are all these people in these crazy costumes like playing marching drums you know and i was like what what the, this rules you know like um and so i was like i just like found found the you know the 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 people i wanted to connect to because i was already like at the end of high school i was already getting into boredoms and noise music and stuff like i sort of like already i'd seen some i'd seen like a eye from boredoms do like a this his hardcore band concrete octopus and that was my entry point to boredoms it was just like blew my mind i was like this guy's the most amazing performer i've never heard anything like this i want to get into it heard about boredoms and you know you know through high school got to see boredoms a bunch and um and like uh but anyways like uh going back to college like uh like so like i had this sort of like i, I wanted to do experimental stuff like with with a heavy sort of you know um like heavy music sort of mixed in so eventually like uh, a freshman oh yeah i remember like jamming like at the 
and then the basement of the refectory, the cafeteria um, at RISD, there's there's some rooms and like I'm sure like a it was crazy loud and annoying, but we got like a bunch of people like started jamming down there, and you know some of the older kids like invited me to come jam, and it was like Brian Gibson from Lightning Bolt and this guy Christy Caracas um, uh, was an amazing animator, but like um but they like invited me to jam and I was doing all this noise vocal stuff. Cause I was really into eye. I had like, you know, like done this stuff in some of the, my high school bands um, with effects and like noise effect. Like I would just like make effects, like uh, feedback and do pitch shifter stuff. And so I was already doing like the pedal sort of noise thing, like in high school, which annoyed the crap out of my brother. <laughs> um, Cause I had no filter. I would just do it like at like, you know, 8am just cause I was like, this feedback sounds amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. This is so cool. And be like, what the hell are you doing? It's like eight in the morning. But yeah. But so like I was doing that stuff and they're like, Oh, you should like, you like Christy was like, you should, you, you should play in Brian's band, like a lightning bolt. It's like, that's it, like the, the, the like it, is here is basically like it's meant to be so you know i like a play like uh i think like you know maybe chippendale and like um ryan both like checked out what i was doing and they're like yeah come and jam with us so that's sort of like how the lightning bolt like joining lightning bolt thing started like they had already been playing for a minute um and they're like a year older than me and uh and i think they had done like two gigs or something and then i joined and then you know I played in that band for, I mean, in like now, now back then it seemed like forever, but now it's like nothing, you know, a year and a half in that band, you know. But that's um, huge in college years. But it was that's like, like that's a whole career for some bands. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah totally true. Yeah, so if, uh, like that was like the most fun, like a uh, band were, to join because they were always. You were just singing, doing vocal stuff doing, in that, or what were you doing? Yeah, I was I was doing vocal stuff, and then I did like additional like tom playing. Like I had like a stand up tom setup, um, but most of the time it was just vocals, and then I do like some extra drumming stuff, like while I sang. Are there um, recordings of so that? So that was like of that of that version of. There's Lightning only. Bolt? I have like one like I I've been meaning to like ask a those guys if it was i had like a practice recording like cassette i mean it sounds like insane but yeah. like uh but but you could hear me in there um because brian or tivendale would like record all of it on four track and so there would be just these like blow messed up blown up like recordings but they sound kind of amazing like if you if you go back and listen it sounds like you could feel the vibe in the room you know like it's like um uh, but it's practice space like recording but there's one cassette that there was an official first release and then um with me singing on it but so blown out you can't tell what's going on and then like there's a there's a comp um i'm forgetting the name of it this providence like a uh, i think like a load records put out this comp and there's one song that I sing on there called Revenge. And it's like me on vocals and, you know, kind of cool. like what the band was like back then. But That's it sounded cool. way different. Like, um, it wasn't like as medley. It was more like post Jesus Lizard, sort of like sludgy, like post unsane, sort of like, you know, gnarliness, like a wet tribal gnarliness with like weird, like vocals. Like, That's cool. Yeah. Sounds so, fun. Yeah. Yeah, but it was fun being at that band because like it was just always like from the first party we played, like everybody went nuts, you know. So yeah. it was like 
how can you not like like lightning bolt type of thing? You know, <laughs> Every, everybody could dance pleaser. to it. Yeah, it really weirdly was like yeah. And what was it about Providence that that struck you at that time? Obviously, you know the art school is there, but like, did you find there was something going on just you know geographically or within the culture of that town that sort of allowed, or or you know kind of had space for this type of creative mm-hmm. explosion that to take place? Do you, like looking back, yeah, on I mean, it, I, like, what's I, happening? Yeah, I mean, I I really did like see that Talking Heads went there, and I was like, oh and maybe there's like people that want to do music and visual stuff, you know? So that's, I, I was clear that I wanted to like keep playing music. Um, but I wanted to go to visual art school. So my mom was like willing to support that. She was like, music, you're not going to make any money in music. Like at least go to visual art school. And I was like, cool. That worked out great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, um, but yeah, like, uh, but uh, yeah. So, so, but it, I don't, other than that, I think it was just good timing. I think that's like something that's like a funny thing with uh, that that comes up. And when I like uh, listen to podcasts like this, or or with other, you know, like uh, you know, higher level um, artists, like uh, you know, sometimes it's like there's a lot of just like right place, right time stuff. And that was like, I mean, it's not like you know all these like bands like are you know, millionaires or something like that. But like, we did create a scene like that was like pretty influential. Um, and like, we're, it just, it just happened to be that we were all there at the same time. It just like really kind of just worked out like, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, 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 everybody was coming from a little slightly different place and it all kind of like mixed really well, you know, like, um, they're the people who are, clearly influenced by the stuff that i got to see as a kid like japanese noise stuff so i was bringing that kind of real time because i had seen those bands like i would see Mersbau or i'd see you know like whatever like melpanana or something and then like come and like try to bring that into what i was trying to do but it was like just because i just saw it you know um and like uh the, there so there are people that were influenced by that but they were doing like a western version and i'd hear about like don cavallero or you know like these sort of like uh heavier bands that that were doing things that were interesting to me and like we were all sort of like you know trading trading music you know um like hearing about like driving gristle and like slint at the same time you know it was just like all this stuff was like coming into my you know, ears and, and, and just trying to, yeah. Like seeing crash worship, I remember like was like a big thing, like in, in college, like I went with Brian Chippendale and Matt Brinkman to a show at the middle East and, um, in, in Boston. Um, and that just like totally blew my mind. I was like, this is it. Then Quintron played that one too. They were on tour together. So it was like, this is the shit, you know? Um, but yeah, like, so, yeah, there are all these things that sort of like, it, it just like, yeah, I don't know, something in the water type of thing. Like, you know, we all just ended up wanting to do something kind of weird. Like, a, like, like, like uh, Eric wasn't there, but Beeren Copeland, like from Black Dice, like he was, you know, like didn't came from more like an indie pop sort of like world who got into, you know, sort of older records and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But like, um, but like, you know, they were coming out like the beginning of Black Dice, like as like, like hardcore punk being like the anti of like noise music i feel like you know because it was so normalized in providence at that time because we were all like doing this like basically like noise was like too cool 
already, <laughs> you know. So they wanted to do something that was a little more straight, but like noisy, but you know. So that was like the punk, you know, move, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, how, so it's how to stand in opposition yeah. when everybody's weird, kind of get a little straight, and you'll yeah, it yeah. stands out weirder. Um, and then, but yeah, also yeah. at 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 RISD, then you're also you we've we've kind of hinted at it, but you're also doing visual design, visual printmaking, yeah. and, and that's something that that would continue on, you know, throughout your career. You'd have the the music and the art side, or the music and the visual mm-hmm. side. And and what was that like? Mm-hmm. What was that experience of like making like prints and and visual art? early on through school so the funny thing is like yeah so the funny thing is like i didn't i was a photo major at school okay and i was kind of like so i was more like the archivist of the scene like um and i was just like because i always liked taking pictures of bands and stuff like so i just would do that um and i like skateboarding you know like skateboard photography and stuff as a kid so you know i didn't even know photography was an art until i got to RISD, and then because i just did it as you know i was like i just made pictures i was like this looks cool if i you know leave the strobe open and like shake my camera around and you know i would just like do the stuff that i saw in like thrasher you know it'd be like i figured it out i was like oh that's how they do that i'm gonna do that you know um and so um but yeah like uh so at school i didn't actually do much printmaking at all i did like a little bit like i took a class or something but everybody else is so good at it again it was like my anti you know like (laughs) everybody's already good at it i'll do something else i'll do photo and i did like video and stuff um and so I was really focused on that. I thought I was going to be, you know, like a journalistic photographer, like shooting 35 millimeter. I was like very devoted to that, that style. Um, and, uh, uh, I think I was pretty good at it back then, but then like, you know, after school, it was just like, I came from the era of like film only, you know? So it was just so expensive that like after like the school facilities to process the film and stuff, disappeared i was like i can't afford this like there's no way i can do this so that's when i really started making other stuff um like because uh like that like this is jumping forward a little bit but at the end and there is the you know like um, a bunch of you know like the like we st- like black dice went on tour and we could come back to some of this stuff but like i think in 90 uh, yeah 98 like black dice we do our first tour like just based off of like the gravity record seven inch that we put we put out and um and then we moved to new york because um eric got into school and then sebastian blank was playing with us still then um sebastian blank is an amazing painter musician um he was playing bass um and so he, he was happy to move to new york and um and uh you know me and Bjorn were like oh maybe we could like well we'll you know we'll keep the band together and like we'll try to work on an art career at the same time you know so <laughs> so we moved into like a you that know, doesn't sound like intimidating a, like let's, a, let's move to new york and yeah. yeah keep the band going and become artists yeah which is totally. incredible yeah. Or, or like i thought i thought it would be like yeah i thought it would be something that you know because like it was back in the day of like you send your like like the class or they teach you on business would be like send your slides to the gallery and they'll check it out and see if the you know like yeah i was like yes i'm gonna get a show and you know like no yeah took yeah, years it's perfect but like uh yeah but uh but it was uh but anyways like uh um what was the point of this just getting oh, just making other kind of art kind of... instead of doing photography you kind of oh yes getting into oh, illustration yes, yes. And, yeah, yeah that's what it was that's what it was is that i couldn't afford film anymore so then or processing film really or printing it like um 
so I started making stuff, collage stuff, because it was the cheapest thing. I could go to, I could just go to like the Strand and get a dollar a book and, you know, like cut it up and make stuff. And then Buren was doing collage stuff too. So I was like, oh yeah, let's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this too. So that's sort of like when I started making different things and that just like, a, you know, kind of ex- kept expanding and that sort of led to making, you know, murals and stuff because I was trying to make these col- like project collages and then paint them, you know? Um, and so I was just trying different stuff and yeah, it's sort of like all organically sort of like what's happening. Um, things are growing and like me, then you're, then, then you're like meeting people who would do similar things in, in, in New York, you know, make visual stuff and, you know, play music. It was like, meeting like you know brian degraw from gang gang before gang gang dance was a band you know like um when he was still doing cranium with um jim i forget jim's last name but cranium was a dc band because they were from dc and just like uh, they had been in new york and they were doing still doing that band um just like it was just all pretty organic like new york was it was really fun to just be like a young adult in new york and just like going like playing shows and meeting people at the shows i think that's really kind of like how it how it started and like the slightly older kids like you know like uh or, or young adults like uh that like our old roommates like um would like set up a show on a rooftop and you know and like we would play that and get shut down in like two two minutes or whatever you know so funny memories of that that kind of thing Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny you, you mentioned, you know, kind of journalism or, or photography as, as, as sort of a, you know, the first passion, at least through art school, because I was just talking to my wife this morning. I, I told her, you know, we were going to talk and she, and yeah. she brought up, she's like, Oh yeah. Hisham was like the first friend I had on Instagram. Like you, you somehow oh, nice. like were in part of like an Instagram, um, like suggested by page, I think in the oh, earliest right. yeah, days yeah, of yeah, Instagram yeah, totally. and you were able to kind yeah, of like yeah. have a second life through that. I mean, does that, did that, yeah, yeah. how did that uh, just happen to you? Or I mean, are you, but I mean, what was your reflection on that? I mean, this would, this would make sense yeah, to no. a lot of people who, you know, I'm sure we were not the only ones that you were suggested to. Oh, but. no, totally. <laughs> no, totally. That, like, that was like a, that, cause people always like, are like, how does, like, I'm sure they're like, how does this guy have so many followers? You know, because <laughs> I'm not like um, an influencer, you know, right. but like, uh, but like, uh, there wasn't even a word for that. Like, but it was a super user. Oh, was what God. you were called back then. Okay. Yeah. So like, I feel like I was always kind of like a, like, um, Buren from Black Dice would tease me and he would be like, you're, you're a social media before social media existed. Cause I was just like a promoter, like kind of like a, a fan of everything, you know? Yeah. So I'd be like, Oh, you, you like this, you should go see this guys. Or like this, this art show I went to see was awesome. You know, I'd yeah. tell people about stuff and then that turned into like, Oh, I could put it on the internet, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas so I was like, like, you know, a professional cynic or professional hater. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> But like, um, yeah, like, uh, so yeah, I've just like was on, I've been on all of them, you know, like, like, like Friendster, MySpace, oh my you know, uh, and then Facebook and, and then like, it, when I was like, so glad when Instagram came, cause I was like, oh, I could get back into photography, like in a really easy way with my device. Like, um, this is great. So, so then I started, you know, like doing the posting thing and then like some friends who were, you know, had been already on Instagram were like, oh, like, um, 
they're it's really funny now like and 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 slightly embarrassing but it's so funny that i have to talk about it it's like they used to we used to, they used to call these uh, meetups like with like photographers on their uh, insta meets okay and so if you had like an insta meet like with like somebody who already had like four hundred thousand followers you know then you'd get like more followers by being in a picture of that they took something, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd all take pictures together. You it's know? like the baby and, nascent like sort of scene thing. of what would go on to change the world, and you know, but not knowing yeah, at the right. time. Yeah, the kind of yeah early yeah. early ideas. Yeah, that's yeah incredible. totally. But it was it was funny. Like uh, I mean, we were like you know, it was like a, a era of a lot of cheap, very cheesy photos and like, you know, like filters. <laughs> filters. Yeah. The filters um, are so, a big thing. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the hashtag started, but yeah, it's funny, but yeah. So basically like I kind of like got into that, that like me and Kate, like, uh, my wife got into that world because we were just like into taking pictures. And then we just happened to have friends who were already getting these big, like it was like Ed, Ed Drosty from, or from Grizzly. Bear I was going to say, then. yeah, like, Ed was the other one that was like, yeah, you and Ed yeah. were kind of on the, everyone suggested friends. Like if you just signed up to Instagram, like follow these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the people, yeah. yeah so, so new, like older, newer people on this, these platforms don't know about the, the recommended page, right, yeah. um, the recommended follow follower like page. So that like getting on that was like the Holy grail. Um, so, funny. so then like, if you get on that, so that if you get on that, you would get like a thousand followers a day for like a week, you know? And so that's like how, that's how I have, that's you know, cool. but it's like, it's funny. I just like had like a weird, like spike, like last year. And that was like, that happened again. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I never figured out why it, but it, but it happened again. Do you still have um, millions of so, followers? I haven't looked. I have, I've been so out of I have a hundred two K followers now. Oh no. Whoa. 101K followers now. Wow. So like, uh, yeah, like it went down to like 96, like, and then like, um, and then back up. But again, you know, this is like it's bots and stuff like whatever, but it like, yeah. um, but it's funny that like, um, but it does help with work stuff, you know. Um, I bet. I mean, that sort of became it's the, part, it's part of the coin of the kingdom yeah. of the new world of like, oh, cool. Like in terms of booking yeah. shows or just doing anything, it sort of was like now totally. there's an official metrics of popularity. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, you can't just pretend to be popular. Now they can they can really check you. Like, are you actually yeah. that popular? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they could even check you. Like, yeah, they check like your met. They can check your metrics from the outside now. Like, um, it's it's a funny thing. I remember trying to get like a like a like a discount on a snare drum once because it was like a company that was like, and they're like, oh, it doesn't look like you're you have many drummer followers, so we're not going to give you the discount. Oh. Like, I guess that's fair, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but numbers aren't just numbers. There's it's micro nano data yeah. of like yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who actually follows what? It's gnarly, yeah. but. But I thought yeah. that was—I just thought that was interesting, just from an of, of in terms yeah, of yeah. like thinking about photography and journalism, you know, as kind of part of that, you know, yeah. Original and that's why idea. you know, like, yeah. yeah, and like taking early pictures of you and Dean, you know, like <laughs> just like you know, like I, I like you know, even when like Black Dice was, or you know, when Animal Collective was still just like, you know. And not what they are now, like touring with Black Dice, and I just take portraits of everybody because that's what I did, you know, like yeah. um. And like, it's nice to have those pictures now, um, but it's wild to just see how young we are. And like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still yeah. don't have enough money to like scan all my negatives. Like I, I would basically just shoot. And I had a friend who worked at a lab um, wow. in New York and she would just process everything for me um, for free, like on the DL. And that like saved my life, but I couldn't afford to like get contact sheets 
like um once she left so like i have like you know thousands of pictures that are just negatives and so occasionally i'll open up the boxes and it's just like daunting because they'll find you know it'll be like i'm sure i could find like an incredible picture of you that was like oh i don't even remember i remember it now that i see it but right you know, right uh, it's well, just it's like wild. so much so well, much need, like uh yeah. you definitely need a photo yeah. book in the next in the next couple of years oh that's exactly you what do. you see up here is that this these, is? these are all photo books it- yeah Oh, boxes photo, of like, like boxes of negatives and, and these, film. Yeah, these are. Yeah. yeah, there's like one up there that says ATP. That was probably from the <laughs> ATP that we we're just talking about. Amazing. And then there's 2002 negs. Yeah, so European yeah. tour spring 03. Yeah. All right. So there's about six, there. six or seven photo books just sitting on a on a shelf behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after the call, maybe. Well, we'll yeah, we can talk yeah. publishers after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, see who's yeah. got who's got the cash to, yeah. to pony it up to, yeah. to lay it out. Yeah. Um cool man. Well be, I, I, I appreciate fun. you taking the time to jump on here. I know there's a million other things we didn't get to. I mean we're definitely you know, we could go part two and part three, part four. You know? Totally. But um yeah, I wanted to make lot. sure I wanted to make sure we, we, we talked. I'm doing a uh this 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 interview will be part of a Providence month. I think I'd mentioned that just sort of you know oh, nice. looking back on it. And yeah, right. I think there's something fun. But yeah. I, I did screw myself totally. up and I picked I picked February, which I thought would be the shortest month for my first theme month of this podcast. But it turns out Feb- uh, this February has five Thursdays. So I've been I've been bitching and moaning oh, as yeah. I'm making these like <laughs> I have to find another <laughs> I have to find more people to interview. So it's been good. Yeah, but it's well, been really good. You, I mean, it's a good yeah, excuse for me just to talk cool. to more people. But you know, there's more, there's yeah, more yeah. to come for sure. Yeah. If you need any connects for the old Providence folks, like let me know. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I think definitely by if next you, February, if you have it unlocked, Pro- Providence mind. part two. No, but you know, like it's like anything. There's never part enough. Two. There's never you know. There's never enough time to really hear everybody's stories because I do love just talking. Yeah. And hearing the personal stories as well. You know, I think there's an oral history yeah, again. Yeah. You know, talk about a book or a uh, a film or a short form tv show i mean providence from yeah. 95 to 2005 would probably be this insane right maybe we could get uh, jesse eisenberg and timothy chalamet and uh you know to, yeah <laughs> to portray yeah totally. to portray that would be bands. good yeah that would be good it'll happen yeah eventually. no like uh yeah there's yeah yeah it is funny yeah but like i mean and uh, just maybe the last point is like yeah. every town has like a scene like as you all like oh, created yeah. and like you know around the smell and like you know just like it's just like uh, amazing how how deep that that influence can be like over like you know so many different like um just like generations of, of creative people you know yeah the, the, all the younger super young kids that got to see you all like or like in all the oh. different bands you know and, yeah but and, i mean you, you, know, you it's everything yeah i mean you and, and, and the brian's and and you know everything that was coming out of providence at that time was such a huge influence on everything we were doing in la mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think at least for my generation mm-hmm. or my social circle it was just you know it was like the the word of law has come down beaches and canyons has been released like mm-hmm. oh <laughs> dude there's hard <laughs> hard pivot points like oh okay well now everybody okay well now we need samplers now we need to figure out what this uh, is what that is you know i think there was a lot of uh yeah, yeah. there was a lot of influence that was felt you know the for th- things that were coming out and we you know we're just a year or two younger but i think we were just so excited uh, and kind of running around you know like with chickens with our head with our hair on fire but just hearing everything we're yeah, here just yeah. was so exciting like wow oh my god and i remember when lightning yeah. bolt played at the smell it was definitely you know a bomb uh, that kind of dropped in the middle of that, yeah. of that world of like, yeah oh yeah we could all do this we could set up on the floor we 
could set yeah, up over yeah. in that corner and then just you know oh, those, those, cool. those little stones that get dropped in just kind of the ripples that, that go totally. out it was a huge influence on Absolutely. dean and i and, and everybody that we were, we were awesome. playing with and so you know yeah it's, it's yeah, nice yeah. to be able to acknowledge that here and you know and kind of just say you know thank you i don't know if thank you is the right word that feels too too direct but just in a way of just like it, like it was, uh, it was a huge it was a huge it was a huge feeling i mean i was always i always assumed people knew we were we were ripping them off it was kind of an all those obvious uh, things like i could tell you know you could always tell when somebody's like oh yeah they're just doing what we're doing like but they're cool they're they're, they're cool about it so hopefully we weren't uh, too annoying about all of our blatant uh, uh influences oh no i never <laughs> i never even saw it that way uh, at all but yeah no i think it's just like uh, i love that like but that's uh cr- the cross-pollinization of of all this stuff was like so it, it was so much more i guess localized before and now it's just so different with the with the internet like um yeah and but there is this sort of cross-pollinization that's really interesting to to watch now that i'm playing and kill alters and the you know and the audience is younger and like watching who who they're listening to and how how they're sort of trying to evolve from that and it's it's, it's a trip to, yeah. to keep watching all the the evolution of sound you know it keeps keeps evolving yeah it keeps growing cool man well um yeah, um, yeah is there anything you, know, you mentioned kill alters do you want can you give a shout out of where you want people to follow you to find out more about you what's the best way for people to keep up with everything you're doing yeah i mean like uh i guess instagram is the easiest place like my my instagram is soft circle together and then kill bonnie uh my bandmate like runs the kill alters page um it's just kill alters i think and um at alters a-l-t-e-r-s um and um yeah we're going on tour west coast like uh um with us well starting in texas going up you know through arizona and all that um california and to washington um with uh this band cpu buddha and uh and uh murder pact and they're like friends of ours definitely similar sort of like weirdo electronics with with drums and you know intensity like um that we've sort of carried on from our era you know just uh, (laughs) getting in the crowd um so yeah it should be fun so if you all uh, are out there come on out awesome man well thank you so much i appreciate it part two to come soon hopefully sooner than later yeah awesome yeah thanks randy thanks Oh, damn. What a great interview. <laughs> I mean, Hashem's just rad. He's definitely one of my favorite people out there. And um, yeah, it was great to get to sit down and, and sort of spend some time and hear his story. Definitely did not know a lot of those details. So it was really nice uh, to be able to go, you know, just take time to, to catch up. I feel like a lot of these um, podcasts are just another way of me sort of just catching up with friends who I hadn't talked to in a while. And we kind of do for a phone call and you sort of wrap it into a, uh, a podcast and you know have a very set sort of time for rambling and talking, chewing on it. Um, yeah, I really appreciate Hasham taking the time to do that. I appreciate uh, you all for taking the time to listen. And I hope everybody's leap day is going great. I hope everybody does something strange and unusual and interesting with their one extra day this year. I, mean, I don't know why it should be a, um, should be like a holiday. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't we all just get off of work or have like everything just shut down? It's a special day. It's only once every four years. Why do we have to just have a normal Thursday? Anyway, I hope everyone's having some kind of fun celebration. If you celebrate any, uh, strange traditions on leap day or have any special things you like to do every leap year, um, let me know right in. 
hyphenate halftime at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at at Randy S. Randall. And uh, yeah, let me know. What do you do with your leap day, with your special, that special leap day? I think my wife had told me um, two of her friends had gotten married on a leap day. And so every four years they have a, uh, a uh, anniversary. I don't know what they do the rest, the other three years in between what their uh, anniversary plans are. But um, I thought that was fun. That's a fun idea. Or what if you were born on a leap day, right? I remember that being something in elementary school. We'd think about like, whoa, you only have a birthday every four years? Trip out. Well, congratulations to all the people having babies today, to all the babies being born on a leap year. Let me know uh, what, what you're doing. Well, I guess not the, <laughs> the babies don't let me know. But if you, if you are a person who has a leap year birthday, let me know on that one. If you're a baby, just go be a baby. Just just shit yourself and eat and sleep all day and try to leave your parents alone. Let them get some sleep. But, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Have a good one. Have a good leap day, everybody. I will see you on Monday. Monday.